I will say this, Devin, that, that good things are on the horizon in a sense because you've got the recent victory of the conservatives in, um, in, in Holland. I believe it's here to Wilders. I actually know him. He's a, yeah, we're, we're friendly. Uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. He was associated with the American Freedom Alliance, uh, on, uh, you know, with which I'm very familiar and, and I've spoken before them and everything else. Uh, and I believe he actually spoke right after me. I spoke. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. I just remember now. Okay, so when I spoke and I, I gave a speech about how atheism kills, this is back now 15 years ago. Um, and the person speaking after me was here at Wilders, who is now the, uh, I guess the president or prime minister of Holland and, or at least the, the, the head of the party, the conservative party there. And I remember him saying, you, you may very well be looking at the future prime minister of Holland. And he said it with his Dutch, Dutch accent. So it's so funny. I'm, I'm literally just remembering that as we speak. Uh, and I like him. He's like super tall. We got to talk a little bit. Very, very effective speaker. He knew what he was talking about. Um, really very likable and super bright. Super bright. Anyway, uh, so he wins in Holland. Uh, Spain has gone conservative. Germany now has some conservative uh, uh, wins there. Uh, Italy, of course, I think that was about a year, year plus ago with that woman, a fantastic leader. Argentina, just a couple of days ago, a uh, very fantastic libertarian conservative. Uh, and he loves Israel, by the way, which is awesome. Ireland uh, also went conservative. Uh, what other country I'm missing? I know. Uh, did I say Spain? Yeah, I did. Spain. Yeah. Anyway, I, I, good things are happening in that. And what's happening, obviously, is that the world is getting fed up. Oh, Italy. Italy is also has gone conservative. Oh, we talked about that. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, what's wrong with you, Barack? You, you can't remember things you said 20 seconds ago. All right. So anyway, all these countries and throughout Europe are beginning to understand that this woke crap is exactly that it's crap and it's dangerous. And they, they may be more on the front lines than we are in a sense, right? Because their immigration problem is mostly I mean, we have mostly Hispanics and from El Salvador and Guatemala. Yes, and it's dangerous with the cartels and the, the trafficking. Terrible, terrible stuff. But there are a lot of good people there, too, and they're just coming from better life. I'm not making any excuses for the immigration thing. We need to stop it. We need to build the wall. It's not right, et cetera. But how much worse it would be if everybody coming in uh, has stated an avowed interest in the destruction of uh, Jews and Israel altogether, and and for that matter, Christianity and everything that you believe in uh, from Western culture point of view. I think that somebody from Mexico, for example, somebody from El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, um, they when they come into America, they, they're not saying, I want to destroy America. I don't want to destroy the American way of life. No, they, they, they want the a part of the American way of life. I get that. And, and they're doing it illegally. But at the very least, their intentions are, I want to blend into society and I want a good job. I want to take care of my family. That's, that's the essence. But in Europe, no, no, no. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, tragically, it, when, when people tell me that uh, everything is great in Sweden. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah, they, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, well, look, I do a lot of commentary um, and I talk about how dangerous atheism is, as you know. And they say, well, how come all these atheist countries are, have the best um, uh, crime records, meaning very little crime. And I said, first of all, they're not atheist countries. I don't know where you get that from. Uh, if anything, they may be losing some religion, yes, but that doesn't make an atheist-run enterprise. In fact, there's still a lot of religion in those countries, uh, and they, they make reference to God all the time. But even, as, even so, I mean, you, you'd be wrong. I mean, Sweden is now the rape capital of the world, behind, I think, uh, Lesotho or someplace in South Africa. Um, and that's not a good thing. Yeah. It's just a terrible thing. Uh, and and I, they make excuses for this somehow. They try to dismiss it, but it's a fact. You, you look it up, you know, Sweden, rape capital of the world. Under Google, you'll find plenty of what, what you know, to back up what I'm saying. So that's a problem for them. They're getting sick of it. And now in Ireland, they, they are um, rioting uh, in the streets because some Muslims apparently killed a couple people. Um, and uh, they, they just had it, up, had it up to to their noses or whatever. Uh, 
about this sort of violence. And in Ireland, you know, uh, they're pretty uppity over there. They're not as PC as we are here in America. They speak their mind. And I think Italy speaks its mind also, by the way. I think they're very tough hombres. Uh, And that's what's happening in Italy. That's what's happening in Ireland, all these different places. Uh, Great Britain uh, may have some serious problems. But on the other hand, they did uh, exit from the EU, so they might have some hope there going forward. We'll have to see. Um, England has always had a major uh, Muslim problem, a Muslim immigration problem. Uh, The French have left uh, France. Do you know the fifth largest French city is London? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Behind Paris, Lyon, Marseille, and one other city. And then the fifth largest one would be London, okay, right. in terms of the numbers of French people there. Wow. I think it's, it's, it's very sad. Uh, because they, it's a socialist country. They don't want to be part of it. Um, and it's ruining their, their economy. And, of course, they're allowing a lot more immigrants. I, I don't blame the, the French for wanting to leave. Uh, but they can never fix that stupid French accent, you know. <laughs> I love England. It is my new home country. I, I'm British, yes. Uh, no, you'll never be British, man. Yeah. And I speak French, so I can, I can play this game a little bit. Anyway, uh, c'est la vie, as they say. Um, anyway, so we've got uh, big issues going on now with... Um, so uh, anyway, I'm, I'm very hopeful about the future for this. If this is a sign for America in 2024, then I'm all for it. Speaking of which, now, the polls, of course, are going great for Donald Trump. Fantastic. He's ahead in almost every poll. And you can say, look, you know, that's a, it's almost a year away from the election, so don't take it too seriously. You're right. That'd be fair. A lot of things can happen. That's true. But the, the polling gets better and better for Trump. I mean, it started back with the ABC poll, I think now three months ago or so, maybe more. And then they, they walked away from it. They dismissed their own poll. They said, this, this doesn't work. You know, it's like, I don't know, it's like me going to court and uh, making an argument. And then as soon as I make the argument, which might be very effective, I, I, I say, this is ridiculous, Your Honor. I can't believe I said that. Reject it. <laughs> it's a stupid. So, uh, but then sure enough, in their defense, New York Times and one other uh, liberal outlet also came out with a very similar poll. In fact, showed that Trump was leading by even more. And that, that would be true. Not just, you may say, that doesn't matter, Barack. You know, that's, that's just the general population. We have the Electoral College. Suddenly the Democrats are all fighting for the Electoral College, right? right. Uh, but, but the chances of, of us winning the general election in terms of popular vote, rather, uh, and not winning Electoral College is very slim. The reverse has seemed to be true in the past. You know, the Democrats have won the popular vote um, more often than the Republicans have won the popular vote in terms of, uh, and then gaining the presidency, like right. like 2016 and, and I believe in uh, 2000 with uh, George Bush. But, and I think there was maybe one other circumstance I can't place my, my head into it. But anyway, um, I think these are really good signs, uh, what's happening in Europe and Argentina. Uh, and you'll see more and more of this. People are just getting fed up, yeah. absolutely fed up with this. And they, and, and they, they can't, uh, they, they will not, the, the, the Bush, what am I saying, the Bush administration, the Biden administration seems to think that the best way to respond to this is by saying it's not happening. Right. They're saying great, th- Bidenomics, they're saying is wonderful. Great things are happening. <clears throat> You're spending less for Thanksgiving than you did uh, in the 20 years past or whatever. I, I don't know what it, they said. It's a third cheapest or fourth cheapest Thanksgiving on record, whatever that means. Yeah, I, I don't get it. So obviously that can't be true. Um, we, we anyway. Uh, then they say that uh, they're doing great things for the situation in the Middle East, right? They, in fact, if you if you were to hear it from our good friend Joe Biden. The, uh, the reality is, and you don't know this, but it was because of Joe Biden that this whole thing with Hamas happened. Not because, not because um, uh, you know, he, he created a dangerous environment, because I do agree with him that he did create this. But no, no, the reason why he is in many ways responsible for this is because he was just on the cusp of uh, creating a peace deal with Saudi Arabia, don't you know? And... Hamas and Iran just could not abide. So they had to get in the soup and stir the pot up because they were so upset because Biden was going to be succeeding with this great result. Well, let's let's hear it from the master's own uh, own words. OK, 
Uh, do we have that clip? Yeah, go ahead. I cannot prove what I'm about to say, but I believe one of the reasons why Hamas struck when they did was they knew that I was working very closely with the Saudis and others in the region to bring peace to the region by having recognition of Israel and Israel's right to exist. You may recall. Yeah. Okay. So this is madness, right? I mean, he wants to take credit for it. First of all, the only person that was actually creating this was one Donald J. Trump. This was the Abram Accords, of course, and Saudi Arabia was the last to get on board. And, and Trump, before he uh, left office, was already getting this in the works. So to, to say that somehow he managed to create uh, the situation where Saudi Arabia is ignoring all the other peace deals that, that, that Trump had arranged for under his watch. Right. So this is this guy's a schmuck. He takes credit for everything. Uh, and this is the guy that says that he created whatever, 500,000 new jobs or so many millions of new jobs uh, since his presidency. No. I mean, first, he doesn't say how he created it. And then he doesn't even explain what Bidenomics is. Right. So how exactly did you create it, sir? Right. What, obviously, what's going on is that there was, you know, it was on the cusp of finalizing the covid shutdown disaster, <clears throat> which was. Really, I agree with Dennis Prager about this. It was the stupidest mistake in history. Uh, and, and here we are. Uh, and so now the economy is coming back because people are getting their jobs back. They, that's, that's the way it works. I mean, did you really think that? Anyway, so he's taking credit for those jumps from starting a point of zero. Uh, it, it's as if you, you know, we're in a building right now. It has 14 floors. And if you destroy the building and then, and then you build it up. And then you say, hey, look, I created 14 stories of building. No, it was already there before. <laughs> but you just, okay. Uh, that's, that's the way they operate here. Um, I'm very, very distressing. But the Biden administration will take credit for these things. And likewise, he's going to take credit for the Middle East situation, whatever, only when it inures to his benefit. And he doesn't uh, take into account anything that uh, Trump has done. Okay. Then I guess we'll, we'll speak more about the, the hostage situation. So as you know, Many hostages have been released at this point, not the full amount of hostages. I think they still have 160 hostages as we speak today, um, stuck in Gaza, and God only knows where they are and how many of them have been uh, mutilated or killed. Um, God willing, they're all intact and alive, but I, I have a bad feeling that not all of them are so. Uh, we know that Hamas had given some of these hostages to other terrorist organizations, you know, because they want to spread the wealth, I guess. Um, you know, God forbid that they, so, so it gives them an out to be able to say, well, we can give you everyone we have, but we can't control what the Palestinian Liberation Front, uh, for example, uh, they may have it, you know, they, they, they took those hostages from us. We, we can't account for them. Uh, so anyway, we'll see what happens, but we know that uh, as we speak today, um, what is it, November 28 of 23, that there are another two days that they're granting for <clears throat> the, um, the ceasefire. Look, I, <clears throat> at some point, Israel's going to have to bite the bullet and say, look, we're, we're done with this. We're going to go in and we're going to destroy all of you. Uh, we're going to take out all of Hamas, period. Uh, and you've got to accept that. And, uh, you know, we know we understand there, there are still hostages there. Yeah, and I, I got to say that, like, I don't agree what what we did with the Russian billionaires. Like, just no, your money we're just going to take because we're just going to declare we can do that now and whatever. But since we've established the precedent, there's quite a few billionaires from Hamas in Qatar. Can't we just take all of their money? Yeah, uh, yeah, we could take all their money, and better yet, why don't we take them? Yeah, uh, and imprison them and, and kill them for that matter. Start Look, I mean that, that will happen. Uh, and the Israelis are good about hunting down these monsters. Look what happened in the Munich massacre. After the Munich massacre, we, we went ahead and killed every single mother, you know what, uh, who was responsible or involved in the massacre whatsoever. And they're all dead. I mean, they, they were all dead in, by the year 1990, I think it was. So, and that was after, you know, a long time, but they, they got them all. And that was wonderful. But we'll get these guys. There will be no more Hamas. But right now, we'll see what happens. Um, at some point, Israel is going to have to continue on. It, it cannot do this every two days waiting for this next thing and then releasing another 150 monsters. And, and it, 
it's worthy to note. I don't know if you know this, but the guy who planned this October 6th attack. Oh, they know who he is? Yeah, they, they know who he is, yeah. Oh. He was one of the prisoners that Israel had who was released in exchange for uh, Gilad Shalit. Um, he was that Israeli soldier who was released uh, after five years of captivity with Hamas. So that's, uh, that's who they did. Um, and that's, that's the guy. He was one of them. So don't think for a moment that these people that were releasing, so far they're only young boys and uh, women, uh, or young girls, uh, presumably, uh, from prison. Don't think for a moment that this may not run into a very dangerous territory in the future. We may have another October 6th type thing <clears throat> or some other disaster that we're not thinking about right now. Yeah. So it's bad stuff. All the way through, it's bad stuff. Um, anyway, I, I just, I don't know what to say. I, I want Israel to destroy. I want them to, at some point, they have to bite the bullet and say, look, we understand that we may be endangering our own citizens, but that's exactly the game that they're playing. And they see how we value life over death. Uh, everyone understands that. And they play that against us. And this is what kills me about the whole claim that Israel is somehow indiscriminate and everything else. And, right? Yeah. This, this game that they play. Look, look at how careful we are to preserve life. Not only our own lives, but also the lives of Palestinians. We send knock-knock bombs. And that's, that's actually a good thing. It's not a bad thing where we basically tell the building below, hey, we're knocking on your, your building. We're going to destroy this building. You might want to get out. Yeah. Okay. No other military does that. None. Okay. And then we, and we send leaflets before and everything else. And yet they hide behind <clears throat> uh, hospitals and schools and everything else like that in, in order to make sure that the Israelis have to be very ginger in the way they proceed. Let's, let's make this very clear. Israel could wipe out Gaza within one hour. Yeah. Okay, we, we understand that, right? We, at no risk whatsoever to any one of our soldiers, we could utterly pulverize Gaza. We don't utterly pulverize Gaza because we're human beings. Yeah. They, by contrast, are animals. Now, when they use this indiscriminate language, wait a minute. <clears throat> so you're saying that it was okay when they fired missiles into Israel all this time, and still do, from Hezbollah as well, that that's okay. That's not indiscriminate when, when it does land in hospitals and otherwise. And thank God for the Iron Dome, because if the Iron Dome weren't around, there would be a hell of a lot more horrific casualties resulting from this. Uh, and then we would see that. But, but it's precisely because of the technology that Israel had to develop with the, with the Americans, yeah. that, that we had to develop to stop these indiscriminate missiles, that, that people say, oh, well, that's not happening. Well, the, their intention is to destroy us yeah. indiscriminately right. and, and wreak terror and havoc up among the Israelis. So, but, of course, they don't see it. Look, the reality is we are now at a time. Now we're seeing not just anti-Semitism's ugly face, but the, the, the contempt for Western civilization. There's no amount of logic that you can uh, throw at them where they say, you know what? You, you've turned me around, Devin. You, you've really made me think this through and I, I think I've been on the wrong side of this, right. Devin and Barack. Okay, cool. I, I get it now. Thank you for elucidating the, the reality to me. And for that matter, logic. They, they can't even say like, that we're inventing history. I mean, it's one thing we can talk about history and the true history of that. And then they say, well, you're twisting history. You're, you're inventing history, Barack. Okay, I'm not, but they can say that. Right. But one thing they, they can't deny are things that they now know which is what we talked talked I just talked about the missiles being indiscriminately fired upon Israel and how by contrast Israel's not doing anything like that right but they see that right in front of their eyes they see the demonstrations of people taking down these posters they they see such violence among these pro palestinian terrorists uh, supporters rather and uh, by in contrast that to the what 300 almost 300,000 um, supporters and rally rally goers uh, in Washington D.C. very peaceful, right. <clears throat> simply uh, having speeches about how great Israel is and how we will survive, and and, and singing Hatikva, which is the national anthem of Israel. 
Um, they, they see all these things and they still come to the conclusion or the, the position that Israel must go. Then they say from, from the river to the sea over and over again. <clears throat> and you ask them directly, what, what is your, we want peace. Well, what does peace look like to you? Well, from the river to the sea. But, I mean, Ben Shapiro said this very well. Does your vision of peace include Israel in the Middle East? And they say, no. Yeah. It means it's God. So, so that's what you want. So that's like the Nazis taking over all over Europe and all of America, for that matter. And then there's no more war. That's peace. Right? Right. So that's what Israel should do, just lay down its arms. That's exactly what <clears throat> so many uh, pro-Israel folks describe accurately, that if, if the Arabs all laid down their arms, there would be peace tomorrow. If, if, there, if the Israelis laid down all their arms, there would be no more Israel tomorrow. That's the way it works. Yeah. And these are the same people who have spent the last, like, what, 20, 30 years calling conservatives Nazis. Conservatives who support Israel, Nazis, when they've shown that they're pro-child murderers, pro-child torturers, and haters of Jews, complete anti-Semites. And that's what they are. And it's, we need to call them out and say, okay, you want to immigrate to America or Sweden? Is it ever okay to knife a child? Is it ever okay to violate a woman? Let's just have those questions. Yes, but they'll never ask those questions. I mean, that, that, that's the last thing they want to do is ask questions and to delve deeply. I mean, one of the things that when they talk about the indiscriminate, go, going back to that a little bit, when they say that uh, they can't imagine indiscriminate bombing and, 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 and killing and deaths of people, well, okay, but, you know, in Germany, we, the Allies, including America, uh, we totally pulverized uh, Dresden and many other cities in Germany, we killed millions of citizens, German citizens, right? You know, so-called innocent German civilians, but whatever. Uh, and we, by contrast, in America at least, did not suffer any civilian casualties, unless you include Pearl Harbor, but that wasn't from Germany. Um, and as a practical matter, there, was, there were no civilian casualties on American soil. And so you can say that's lopsided, that's disproportionate. What a, what a bunch of garbage, right? I mean, do we really have to articulate these points? Why, why don't people think this through? Like, before they say this, do they, do they think, well, okay, well, let's compare it to other wars going on right now. Yeah. The Russian-Ukrainian war, of course, it, you know, it's actually going concurrently. And no one tells the Ukrainians, well, you know, when you go into this town, make sure not to kill any innocent civilians and harp on them over and over again and make it impossible for them to look like a, a good guy country. And that's the, that's the issue. They, there's nothing that Israel can do, uh, no matter how ginger it goes through to kill just the Hamas terrorists, just those people who support Hamas, uh, that will satisfy, even if they did exactly that. They somehow some some sort of radar gun that knew exactly who was Hamas, and it was a bullet that would actually find the, those Hamas guys. It was you know incredible technology on the part of Israel, let's say, and it killed exactly just those terrorists. They would still complain about Israel. Yeah. And when they ask people what what would you do, they they just stumble. They they have no idea. They just complain about the so-called occupation. There is no occupation in Gaza. They're not there. We left in 2005. You got, you got to hear one journalist talking to another. It's really fascinating. I, I want to I load this up for you. And, and mind you, this is going to be incredibly frustrating. You're going to be just screaming at the, the audio as you hear it played, okay? So let's, uh, let's play it. Waffa, Waffa, you're a journalist. You're a journalist. I'm a journalist. I'm asking you, from the perspective as a Palestinian woman living in Gaza City, what would be, if you, if you think the Israeli response is unreasonable, disproportionate, it's wrong, what would be the right, proportionate, reasonable response to 1,400 of your people being massacred? What, what, would, what would be acceptable to you for them to do, other than say, oh, well, never mind, we'll just carry on as usual, which is clearly not going to happen. What one final chance. What would be the reasonable response? Okay, so that's the question, right? What would you do? Yeah. Okay, you're saying that Israel is disproportionate, not acting correctly. All right, what would you do? Yeah. All right, it's a very reasonable question. All right, here we go. 
Yeah, you are just saying that uh, we, we are journalists and I'm a Palestinian journalist. Yes, living here under this harsh condition. You just not going to ask. Do you not think that's a reasonable question to ask you? Listen, it's the question. I mean, like you, you didn't know that uh, they committed like uh, since we, we here in Gaza since nearly 17 years. I so don't know far, that. We have been Israel. Stop telling me what I don't know Gaza. and answer the question. Yes. Why is that such a difficult question to ask? Are you getting frustrated yet? Yeah. I, I'm getting pretty frustrated. And this is the second time I'm hearing it. And I know exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> but this woman just and, and as as you don't see the video of it, but and it's a tweet, I guess. And uh, this woman is looking around and she's got a, um, a scarf on. So it's covering her identity in the classic uh, uh, Muslim hijab way. But she actually has a scarf on over her mouth as well. And her, but you can still see her eyes and her eyes are scurrying back and forth, like having no clue what what to say. Like she, she wants to have an answer, but she can't have an answer. Yeah. Anyway, continue on. Sorry, I'm answering your questions here because, you know, you just just look to the, the Israeli side. And no, you I'm not looking at just the Israeli side. I'm, I'm asking you a reasonable question. What's a proportionate, reasonable just, response to that massacre? You know, like, listen, I'm just reporting what I see as a journalist from here, from, from Gaza. I saw that the Palestinian people are suffering in a daily basis because of the Israeli brutality against them. The occupation and because of, of Hamas's brutality. Listen, now, Israeli occupation, they are using phosphorus bombs. Do you know that? They are using I, the I, I asked an Israeli person about that only last week. Okay, so it's very frustrating. By the way, they're not using phosphorus bombs. They're not using anything inappropriate. They, they are dancing on eggshells. That's the, and, and Hamas and the Palestinians know this. They played this game forever. They always hide behind children. They always hide behind hospitals. Okay, it's, 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 they're just evil. And if you ever need to know which side you need to be on, okay, there you go. There's your answer, okay? Israel cares about its children. Uh, Palestinians don't. They actually literally use them as shields. Okay, yeah. do you need anything more? Would you use your kids, if you had kids, I mean, uh, for any reason whatsoever, okay, well, you know, we're about to be invaded. Let's, uh, kids, come down. I need you for something. Yeah, Dad? Yeah, just stand right here. <laughs> okay, thanks. And then you, then you tuck down and, and, and you hide behind your own kid, like, uh, and then, <laughs> and then the, the bad guys go away, whatever. And then you say, all right, son, thanks. Thanks very much. And then, and then you go back up to your bedroom and the son says, dad, can we talk about this for a second? <laughs> I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't you want to know why, why daddy did this? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a, so basic. Yeah. All right. So that, that's one thing then. Uh, but, I, but I think we've spoken enough about, uh, about, that particular issue, except the protests, I suppose, the high school rioters. Now, did you hear about this? I forget what state this is in. There's, they, they rioted in high school against this teacher who was a pro-Israel teacher. And they got her pinned down, locked up in a room, and she was, you know, she was going to be either beaten up or something it would have happened. And, and they want to call for her suspension, her firing, whatever it is, for the crime of being pro-Israel, yeah. right? So... This is, uh, somebody else brought this up and I thought it was a very good point. These are high school students. You, you can't somehow explain this organically. This, this was not an organic movement that, you know, what is it? Uh, a little bit more than a month, uh, from the October 7 attacks. And, uh, certainly only about a month since the, um, ground invasion of Gaza and then somehow say that this just happened by itself. No, it's, this is the long haul. This is what the Palestinians and Hamas and terrorist organizations, and for that matter, allies of those, have been doing for so long now. They, they've been you know, planting seeds in young children's minds, yeah. talking about oppressor and oppressed, right? Talking about race and dividing the world in terms of race, even though there is no real race issue in, in Israel. Israel's the most, uh, probably the, probably more diverse from a demographic point of view and from a race point of view, for that matter, a belief point of view than even America is. Yeah. But, the, but no matter, they are a white Anglo country somehow, right? It's like, what do they say? Like about um, Trayvon Martin, he's a, he's a white Hispanic. Like, oh, yeah. remember that? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. suddenly even blacks in, in uh, Israel, and there are blacks in Ethiopian Jews, for example, yeah. that they're somehow white Anglos. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. Maybe they're Uncle Tom's, you know, whatever <laughs> the reasoning is. Yeah. And with, back to the teacher where 
is it okay for the children? I don't know what the punishment had, but like, let's say there's a teacher that's pro great gay or pro trans or pro Islam. Like, is that okay if they do that? Like, is it okay? Is suddenly okay? Like, because I'm pretty sure if a teacher was pro gay and the students did what they did to the pro Israeli teacher, they would all be expelled with great prejudice. Like their lives would be ruined. They would. They, 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 it, it would be exactly the right thing. Uh, I mean, exactly the right analysis. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, okay. So <clears throat> I want you to. I'm going to switch a little gears here, and this is just kind of a more of a funny story than anything else. Um, well, you know what? Let's let's actually let's let's tee up that uh, Douglas Murray tweet if we have that because I think it's a really interesting point. He brings this fascinating point that um, this was happening in the Middle East with the terrorism, the beheadings and everything else, it, it forces him to engage in this terrible diversion where he'd rather be focused on the art and literature, for that matter, just whatever might advance civilization, right? I, I mean, Ari and I had a podcast a long time ago, and it was the conversations we are having and the conversations we should be having. Those two very different things, right? We're having a conversation about whether a man can be a woman. We're having a conversation about, uh, you know, whether, whether a man can have a baby, for that matter. We're having conversations uh, that are about whether two men can get married. We're having a conversation uh, about, you know, whether there should be any borders in America. We're having a conversation about, you know, getting rid of the police, uh, whether that's a good idea. These are, these are nonsensical, insane ideas, yeah. right? And, uh, and, and we're having conversations about when should we talk to children about anal sex? Uh, you know, should it be fourth grade or fifth grade? You know, like, how about never? Yeah. Does never work for you? Yeah. Right? So these are the conversations we're having. And, and, and that, there's only 24 hours in the day, as they say. And we're, we're wasting our time on this. As a civilization, we are wasting our time. That, that was the point of the podcast. And, and if we really wanted to talk about great things, we would say, let's go for uh, advancing civilization by space exploration, right. right? About finding, you know, great new cures for cancer or whatever it might be, right? How do we, how do we build things uh, very efficiently? Uh, how do we deal with mental illness, right? These are the, the, the good questions to ask that are not being asked. Anyway, he talks about something similar here, um, and I, I think it's worth listening to. Hold on. I feel resentful that now in the 21st century I have to spend so much time reading Hadith and so on. And I think of all the things I would do. And it Hadith is what the, I would uh, be doing. the Muslim text. Doing what I did from the beginning before this all diverted me, which would be concentrating on my first love, which was literature and art, and writing about that. And the only reason I don't get so much time to do that is because I don't think that the conditions for that continue to be done are satisfactorily safe at the moment. Yeah, that's, that's exactly the point This is that, that I had just made. Like, we are wasting time having to deal with these monsters uh, and, sadly, who are relying on the Quran, uh, which, you know, let, let's give them the benefit of the doubt that they are radically misinterpreting it, whatever it might be, okay? Uh, maybe I don't think so. Uh, when they, they say that trees and rocks will tell to Muslims that there are Jews behind me, please go kill them. I don't know how you can interpret that. I don't know if there's a lot of wiggle room for interpretation there, that somehow that that's peaceful. But I could be wrong. Okay. But let's continue on. So, so she's going to ask the question, because it, it won't become very loud enough, whether or not Hashem is the same as Allah. Now, Hashem, for those of you who are not Jewish, means God. Okay, Hashem in Hebrew means the name. So it's a, it's a way of referring to God. Uh, so just take a listen to how he answers, and uh, I think it's a brilliant response. This is Douglas Murray responding to this question. But the moment, the moment... That Hashem and Allah are the same thing? I believe in what? Do you believe that Hashem and Allah are the same God? Because you just talked about Hadith and not about, um, say, Talmud. Well, no, because... And Talmud, by the way, is the Jewish uh, religious text that analyzes the Torah and what is good, what is right, right? So the Talmud, that's a, is a Jewish, um, uh, not mysticism, it's Jewish teachings, okay? Uh, basically that we can derive from the Torah, which is the Bible. All right. So here's how, here's how he answers. I mean, I can assure you, madam, that if, 
If people were chopping off people's heads in my country and citing the Talmud, I'd be reading a lot more of the Talmud and of Jewish law, and I'd be engaging myself far more in that. It's just that... You yeah, so there you go. Exactly right, right? I mean, if, if someone were, millions of people for that matter, were citing, I, I don't know, anything. If, if they were citing uh, the Carpenters from the 70s, right? The, the music group, you know, brother or sister group, I believe. And, and they say, on behalf of the Carpenters, I, I hereby am killing you and beheading you. We would try to figure out why the Carpenters uh, is, is informing these monsters in their pursuit of killing people, right. right? Of course. And likewise, and that's what he's saying. That's what Douglas Murray is, is saying. He's this genius guy from England. And yeah, the Talmud is, doesn't teach that. The, the Quran, it appears, does teach that. And they tell us that it teaches that. So they've, they've got an endemic problem. And they expect us to somehow dance around this and to say, no, no, Quran really means peace. It's wonderful. It's great. Well, there are a lot of people who are misinterpreting the Quran then, obviously. Yeah. And, but I don't hear too many Muslims who are of the peaceful persuasion saying they don't speak for us. In fact, the Quran is wonderful. This is all wrong. And getting up on the soapbox saying, stop that, stop that, stop that. I would like that, but I don't see that. I could be wrong. Maybe you can point me somewhere. Yeah. Uh, I have been wrong before. But this, uh, th this really concerns me. All right, so there's more to talk about. I, I, this, uh, <clears throat> I, wanted, I want to take you to this very interesting comment that from the um, uh, education secretary. Uh, what is his name? Uh, God, what is his name? Oh, yeah, Michael uh, Miguel Cardona. Cardona, yeah. And he's botching one of Ronald Reagan's most famous lines, right? Okay, so you may know this uh, line uh, where it is that uh, the, the nine most terrifying words are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help, right? Uh, so so <laughs> this guy somehow heard that phrase, but oh, didn't hear the beginning phrase and thought that Ronald Reagan thought that government was A-OK. -okay. And the government is here to help. And that's a good thing. So he's, he's actually on um, C-SPAN talking in front of a very, very large crowd uh, and trying to be persuasive. And in order to be persuasive, he quotes Ronald Reagan. Watch what he does. As uh, I think it was President Reagan said, we're from the government. We're here to help. Um, there's... <laughs> okay. So that's literally from his... And, and he says it proudly, like... As Ronald Reagan says, we're from the government. We're here to help. Let us help you. That's the essence. And he goes on and on about how the government's going to help. Uh, no, you, I think you got this wrong, okay? I, I don't know. What's a good comparison of that? Uh, you know, it's Adolf Hitler saying, <laughs> saying uh, you know, taking in the word not or, or putting in the word not when he shouldn't be putting in that word uh, about gassing the Jews and uh, the, the Jews are not vermin, uh, you know, whatever it might be. Okay. Speaking of which, uh, there was recently some kerfuffle about Donald Trump saying the word vermin. Uh, and he was, he was talking about leftists and uh, people who are trying to destroy this country. Drug cartel users, you know, all that stuff. These are vermin and they need to be eradicated. Yeah. Okay. But because he used the word vermin... And don't you know, Hitler used the word vermin too. Therefore, he's evoking fascism. Yeah. yeah. Right? Okay, no. <laughs> it, it's, there's, there's nothing that, it, it's surprising. I, I, I believe that Hitler, I'm going to take a wild guess here. He said the word and and the in German once in a while. Yeah, I'm going to go there. Out on a limb here. I'm not even going to Google it. Okay, it's, I'm going to assume that he did that. And Trump used the word and, and the word the. I, I don't have to Google that either. I'm confident that each of these men did the same, used the same words to us. Does that mean that they're the one and the same? Right. Could it be that you, you I mean, what about the word bad? The, the <laughs> Jews are bad is what Hitler would say, right? Right. We must get rid of the Jews, okay? So if, if, if uh, Trump said we have to get rid of the drug cartels and the drug traffickers, does that make him just like Hitler? Right. See, this is, this is the, uh, the, the stretches, the strange stretches that they must go to. 
in order to fight Trump. Now, when people say, and I, and I hear this now all the time about Trump, that somehow it's, it's so bad with Trump and that he's going to lose, he's just going to lose. You, it really, you, you, should, you should go to Nikki Haley or DeSantis or somebody else because he's going to lose. He's just going to lose. And I, I hear this from a lot of my Democrat friends, and I, I always say the same thing to them. Okay, well, I'll, t- I'll tell my people. <laughs> like, what do, you, what do you want from me? I mean, I, the fact is that he, Trump is enormously popular. Not, it's not just he's leading. He's leading by a massive amount. Okay? The people like Donald Trump. I like Donald Trump. Okay? Yeah. Is he perfect? You know, people accuse me of saying that he's a saint. Of course he's not a saint. I don't want him to be a saint. He's, he's, he's arrogant. He chooses very weird words sometimes. But at the end of the day, he was a fantastic leader. And he still is a fantastic leader. And, and, and the fact that he's dealing so strongly against these indictments and all these attacks upon him uh, makes me like him even more. Right? It's, it's not... And, and among blacks and Hispanics, people who have been railroaded by the law... They see that and they say, yeah, that dog don't hunt with me either. And Trump's my man. And I like the way he's fighting it. And he's going to fight for me when he sees injustice like that. So as usual, things backfire for the Democrats. They always do. Um, And that is a problem for them. Now, look, uh, if if it were the case that indeed somehow... The Democrats think that Trump has no shot. Yeah, he might get the nomination, but he ain't going to win the, the general election. Okay, then why are they so worried about him? Why, why are they pursuing him? Not just in the indictments, by the way. They're filing lawsuits in this or that state. I think Colorado was the last one uh, where it was dismissed, thankfully, uh, to take him off the ballot. What? Okay. <laughs> I mean, why? Why are you doing that? If you're, if you're not worried about him whatsoever, why are you putting so much money into this? And that's the question that I think they never answer is he's against drug cartels. He's against um, Mexican drug dealers. He's against like crime. He's pro-Israel. What the economy was great under him. Absolutely. What concretely is he worse than Biden for? Unless you're a criminal, unless you're a money launderer, unless you're so many hor- – like the, the Mexican cartels love him. And so the LA Times oddly loves him or like hates him. But like, you know, I mean it's – what what really horrible thing is he doing? They've never actually been able to intimate it. They're like, oh, he used a word. Well, his word was talking about horrible people who do horrible things to very young children. Like that word, whatever word you say, he's bringing attention to that. And why are you covering that up by asking, talking about a word? Yeah, yeah, that's that's really well said, Devin. I think we've got some real problems on our hands with the Democrats. We've got problems with uh, what's happening with Hamas. Uh, look, it goes without saying, and I, I, I really, well, maybe it does go with saying, these, these, confl- uh, these conflicts would not have happened if Trump were still president. They certainly, you know, I'll even, I'll even give the Democrats a, a pass here. That these conflicts would not be happening if Biden were not president. Okay? He's so fickle. He's so weak. He's so stupid. He really is stupid. To, to pull out of Afghanistan and not expect the disaster that ended up happening, you, you must be stupid. Or so naive that it, it, it goes to the uh, level of, of reckless endangerment. That's what it is. It's like drinking alcohol, uh, the entire vodka bottle, and then going driving and saying, well, look, you know, I'm not trying to kill anyone, but you will, right? That's the inevitable result of drinking that much and then putting your keys in the ignition and driving. All right. So that, that much we know. The Hamas situation wouldn't have happened. Afghanistan wouldn't have happened. I believe the Ukrainian war would not have happened. Uh, certainly the border crisis would not be happening. Uh, the incredible homeless situation would not be happening. I'm not saying there wouldn't be any homeless, but it wouldn't be getting so bad as it has been getting. The crime situation would not be happening uh, as, to the level that it has. Now, I can't say that about California because California seems to want to go its own way, but y- you get the idea. 
we're, we're having a tough time here. Yeah. Really, really tough time. And all because Biden just is so naive or is actually uh, bent on the destruction of America. Here's one last thing I'll say. And this is from the Wall Street Journal, and it refers to what Obama had said back in the day. And he was against, um, against Hamas and that Obama supported Israel in dismantling Hamas after what happened on October 7. But on October 23rd, in a very long statement, Obama called for Israeli restraint. And then in a podcast called Pause Save America, Obama counsels for an admission of complexity, <clears throat> meaning that it's not black and white when it comes to the Israeli-Palestinian situation. No, no, no. <clears throat> yeah, you know what? It is. It is black and white. One side is good, one side is evil. Okay, it, it does not get more black and white in terms of good and evil than it does between Israel and the Palestinian situation. Right. Nothing more. Well, but, and like you just said now, it, it, the one thing that is black and white for them is that Trump is evil. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. That They've got to get rid of it. He, he's an insurrectionist. He's evil in, in every respect. He's done nothing that's good. Anyway, uh, the, he says that what the Palestinians have gone through is unbearable, as if it's somehow the Israelis' fault. Uh, to get to the full truth, he says, you then have to admit nobody's hands are clean, that all of us are complicit to some degree. How? How so? I mean, you can't say these things and think that people are going to be nodding along and, and expect to not back that up. You just can't back that up. So uh, then he goes on, as hard as I tried, I have the scars to prove it. But there's a part of me that's still saying, well, was there something else I could have done? That's him, you know, Obama as president. Only a part? What are we talking about, Mr. Obama? Obama sent Iran 1.7 billion in cash, released some 100 billion in frozen assets, and unshackled Iranian industry, and of course the government to in, in, increase their uh, terrorism. Predictably, Tehran used the money to build up each front: Gaza, Lebanon, the West Bank, Syria, Iraq, and Yemen. In today's war on Israel, this is from the Wall Street Journal. If I didn't mention this before, the rest of Obama's policy paved the way. In August 2012, for example, he drew a red line, um, meaning that um, about Syria, the U.S. would respond militarily if Syria used chemical weapons. When Syria did do that, a year later, Obama blinked and then let Russia bail him out by pretending to remove all the chemical weapons, which were not, didn't actually remove them. Uh, Russia never left Syria in the end of the day and, it, and instead propped up Bashar al-Assad, which is the president of them, the dictator of Syria, uh, which solidified its alliance with Iran. So, look, when you give money, this is me now speaking, when you give money to Iran, to Hamas, or to any terrorist group, surprise, they won't use it for infrastructure. Yeah, Lord, I, you heard it here first on the Brooklyn podcast. Yep. They don't even know what infrastructure means. Right? They, they use it solely for terrorist purposes. That's their core competency, right? And what do you do? I destroy things. I get rid, you build infrastructure, I get rid of infrastructure, okay? They wouldn't know what else to do with infrastructure. It's like expecting a scorpion not to sting. It's what they do, yeah. right? From that famous little story of the uh, scorpion riding on the back of a frog and the frog says, I'll help you across the river, you know, as long as you don't sting me. And then sure enough, they get across the river so, and, and as he's jumping off the frog, he stings the frog. I thought we had a deal, man. He goes, I'm sorry, I'm a scorpion. I do as scorpions do. Yeah. That's the nature of these monsters. They are the scorpion that will sting you because that's who they are. Look, and, and if you want proof of that, the destruction of the infrastructure, when Israel did leave uh, Gaza in 2005, it didn't just leave the settlers and didn't just bring the soldiers out. Those, those things were also true. But it also left behind a huge amount of infra infrastructure. They, these, um, these gardens, these beautiful, um, what do you call it, um, with, when it's covered with canopy? Botanical. Botanical gardens, yeah. yeah. Beautiful things. And other things, too. Infrastructure, towns, homes. They didn't destroy the homes. The, the Israel said, go ahead, right. uh, take them as you will, and make use of them. Okay? It's a little gift. 
It was an extra gesture. We left unilaterally from Gaza. We didn't make any deals with anybody. We just, here you go. And not only that, but as a token for you, you can have the, hose, the, the homes and all the infrastructure we left behind. And you would think that the, you know, we, we thought that there would be good PR resulting from that. No, nobody remembers that. Nobody. And, and, and they still call it an occupation. We're still there somehow. Right. Even though it was never an occupation, but that's another story. They have no claim to it, the Palestinians. Egypt might have a claim to it, but they don't have any claim. Okay. So what do they do with this infrastructure? Right away, they burn it all down. They destroy it. Okay? They didn't have to do anything. They could just leave it to the weeds. Okay? But no, no, no. They actively went ahead and destroyed everything. Despite it being fantastic. Right? They could have, they could have produced, used, they continued to use the agricultural stuff to produce all sorts of wonderful things. Israel was, was actually exporting food, vegetables, and fruits and such from Gaza to the rest of the world. Yeah. And they could have continued doing that. They didn't, it's not as if Israel left the place with a scorched earth. It didn't put salt on the soil or anything else. No, no. Here, here you go. They scorched the earth. They destroyed it. That's who we're dealing with. That's all you need to know, okay? Israel's the only democracy in the Middle East, and between Israel, the democracy, and the dictatorships of the Palestinians in both Gaza and the West Bank, and for that matter, the Arab countries surrounding Israel, is it really that difficult to choose a side? Really? All right, folks. Listen, thanks so much for listening today. Uh, God bless Israel. Uh, Please pray for Israel. Uh, There are so many things that are happening. Uh, Things can really turn around in a very awful way. But we need all your prayers and all your support. Please also turn on your friends to this podcast. It's very important that you do so. We are growing in numbers, and I'm so pleased about that. Thanks to a lot of help from from Devin as well. But I think it's because the podcast is is interesting. That's ultimately that's what it has to be. Uh, We'd love your comments as well. Feel free to email us at info at lurie-law.com. That's info at L-U-R-I-E dash or hyphen law, L-A-W dot com. All right, folks, God bless. This is Brock Lurie signing off saying God bless, and we will speak with you next week.